Welcome to ETF Working Lunch, an ETF.com podcast in partnership with Women in ETFs. We get together every other week with the smartest women in this business and we talk shop. I'm Cynthia Murphy here with my colleague, Laura Krieger. Hello, everyone. And today we are diving into the world of leverage and inverse ETFs with Sylvia Jablonski, Capital Markets and Institutional Strategist at Direction ETFs. Welcome, Sylvia. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So let's dive right in. Direction is one of the big providers in the leverage inverse ETF space. Uh, You guys do a lot more than that, but let's start there. Um, This year's volatile market action, we saw a lot of new demand, new interest in these types of strategists from retail investors. So from your perspective, you're in the capital markets desk. um, What do you make of this pickup in demand do you expect that kind of action anytime markets go crazy? And then we'll, from there, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, the risks and, and, and the benefits to retail investors of this type of wrapper. Yeah, so I, I think actually it's it's probably one of the most exciting times um, of my career in terms of watching the market on a day-to-day basis, you know, it's none of it is for good reason, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, the markets have been volatile and what's really interesting is that coming from a levered and inverse ETF provider, you know, we've seen a massive, uh, pickup of inflows and, and trading. And what's really good about it is that investors, you mentioned retail investors, you know, there, there has been a lot of pickup by that group. And what's great is that they do seem to be using the products the right way and looking for short-term tactical trading opportunities. So there couldn't be a better time for short-term tactical trading opportunities, short-term being the key word. And some of the the sectors that we've really seen benefit from this is, you know, everything that sort of like relates to the work from home trade. Um, we've, we've seen a lot of flows into healthcare and biotech, you know, LABU is a three beta biotech fund. It's, it's had some of its, you know, most stellar returns to date. Um, home builders, you know, as people are sort of watching mortgage rates go to zero and, and you know, looking at those crooked paintings on their walls and looking to fix them, the names like Home Depot and Lennar that, that sit in some of the home builders um, indices and, and the different ETFs that track them, like Mail, for example, have, have really rallied triple digits um, in the short term. And then technology and semiconductors, you know, we're doing this call here from who knows what sort of, you know, computer type of laptop, the type of um, cybersecurity we have, um, what sort of clouds are, are, are built into our computers, you know, and, and the companies that really touch those industries, everything from, you know, an Amazon cloud to an Apple to a Microsoft. People have looked to ETFs like TECL, SOXL, they're, they're three beta technology, three beta semiconductors, and they're really looking to capitalize on these short-term moves. Um, so, so it's, it's really been interesting and, and the flows have just been massive over the past few months. So Sylvia, I want to, um, jump in real quick. Uh, you, you've said short term and, and we really should underline short term here. How short is short term, uh, when it comes to a leveraged or, or inverse ETF? So that's a really great question. And it's actually the most key question that every investor <laughs> should ask him or herself before using the products. So the products are rebalanced on a daily basis. So very simply, if you have, let's say, a three beta um, technology ETF, that means for every $100, you have $300 of exposure. If the the ETF moves 5% in a day, you make 15% in a day. We rebalance the fund. 
and you you essentially go from having 300 of exposure to 345 of exposure. Um, on day two, if it's up another 5%, you're up 32 and a quarter because of compound rebalancing. Trend has been very friendly, and that's great. But the downside and the risk is if the market's up five and down five, or the index is up five, down five, you're not at zero like you would be if you had Apple or Microsoft or, or one beta ETF. You're actually down two and a quarter because of that same compounding and rebalancing phenomenon. So how short is short? Well, it depends on your view. You should have a view both on the trend of the underlying index and the trend of volatility. So trend is your friend. If markets are low volatile and trending upward, the ETFs I mentioned before, for example, have done very, very well. But if, if you think that the markets are going to be volatile, I would look at the ETF every single day and make a decision as to whether or not to rebalance, whether or not to take your gains in a short period of time, or whether or not to you know, essentially take some off the table. So you have to understand that you know, you can have substantial losses in, in a short period of time or substantial gains. And these are, you know, really unique in, in nature in that way. And you have to have the time to really frequently manage your positions and respond to changing markets. And I guess everybody has plenty of time now that we're all working right. from home. <laughs> there are a lot of day traders right. out there now, that's for sure. Yeah. That's for well, sure. What I think is interesting is that at the beginning, you were saying that you have seen this demand from retail investors and that they have been using these instruments well. I mean, there is this concern out there that retail investors don't understand leverage and inverse ETFs, whether it's from performance to holding period to complexity of portfolios. And it sounds like in your experience, they're actually, they not only have figured it out, but are using tactically well uh, is this then just a misconception about these products of the so-called sophisticated investor only type of wrapper? Or do you think there is a, a legitimacy to this concern? I think that there's a legitimacy to the concern. Um, and the legitimacy is not that, you know, the product will hurt you if the product is used in the correct way. Um, you know, hopefully you'll have a good experience with it. But I think, you know, the, the concern is that there are retail investors out there that I would argue, you know, might buy a stock or an ETF and not necessarily know what's under the hood or how it works. But over the last decade or so, I think that the, the percentage and number of investors who don't understand the product or don't see, you know, the, the vast warnings out there that this is for sophisticated traders, um, you know, has really shrank. So most of the calls we get are from people who seem to really understand the products and how they work. Um, and I would say that direction and, and even our competitors, uh, for that matter, you know, we do a really good job of saying, don't touch this. If you're not sophisticated, if you're not, you know, looking at your account daily, if you're not a frequent and an active athletic type of trader, this probably isn't for you. You know, look at our one beta ETFs, for example. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, the message is out there loud and clear. And we hope that, you know, we do hope that the retail investors before they, they buy a product, they, they do look under the hood a little bit and decide whether or not it's right for them. And we trust that, you know, they'll make that decision. Mm -hmm. So I, one of the things you, you that I want to step back to is you, you said that there was a, um, you, you know, that these products can be useful when used in quote unquote correct ways. And there's been a lot of uh, hay made about the the Robin Hood trader and, uh, you know, the, the retail traders using them. And certainly I've written plenty of stories about, um, you know, Robin Hood traders, uh, 
piling into leveraged ETFs and inverse ETFs, maybe not understanding necessarily what they're doing. Um, but, uh, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about some of those correct ways, those ideal use cases uh, for leveraged and inverse ETFs. Um, you know, when in your mind, what's a good application of these funds? Um, is it, you know, besides just putting money in them and then staying there for three months? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, great question. So uh, one of the most common uses of our product is is simply for, you know, a sophisticated trader to get enhanced exposure to an underlying index that he believes or she believes will go up. And um, as you know, sort of basic as that sounds, that's that that's that's what it's all about. So let's say that, you know, you're waiting for Apple and Microsoft uh, to come out with their earnings and you believe that you know, people are working from home, the, the you know, technology is going to uh, do better than you expect in the earnings season and that the stocks will, you know, grow. Um, so you might look at, and you also have the view that it'll be a steady climb upwards. So a trader would opportunistically buy an ETF like TECL, which has a bunch of those tech names in it that I mentioned, and hold on to it for a period of time that, you know, he or she believes is reasonable um, towards, towards the gains that they're looking to seek. And, you know, usually what happens is, is if they get five or six days of gains on a, on an ETF like that, they might rebalance the position and reduce it, or they might take it off completely and look for another sector to trade. So, um, again, it's sort of athletic opportunistic trading, uh, sort of the converse is true too. So, you know, the election is coming and, um, you know, let's say that there's a debate where, um, you know, b- both candidates come out with a lot of ideas and policies that will clearly impact healthcare in a negative way. And your portfolio is full of healthcare names because healthcare is what gets us out of COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you might want to smooth out that ride by looking at an inverse biotech, um, healthcare, you know, pharmaceutical type of ETF to hedge your position in the short term. Um, so that's, you know, those are sort of two of the most common ways, short-term opportunistic trading and hedging. And then sophisticated RIAs will use the ETF for capital efficiency. So for every, you know, for every dollar, you have $3 of exposure. So for example, if you want, you know, if you only have 5% cash to allocate, but you really want more exposure to the S&P because you think it's going to rise, they might use SPXL, the 3X S&P 500 for that two-week period or whatever it might be that they're looking for enhanced exposure and, you know, do it for a third of the capital required. Mm-hmm. Do you find that in a year like 2020, people have used these strategies in any way that really surprised you, whether good or bad? <laughs> I mean, any horror stories here that uh, are a cautionary tale we might as well talk about? Yeah, I mean, I can, you know, I can, I'm sure it exists. I'm, I'm going to, you know, sort of make it up because I don't know the person that actually did this, but I'm sure this does exist. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the like sort of perfect trade for the last decade was almost anything <laughs> um, on the 3X side. So 3X S&P 500, you know, three beta technology, three beta semiconductors. If you look at the return of our tech ETF over the last decade or so, it's multiples and multiples of thousands of percent up. So say, you know, six to 7,000% appreciation that period of time because markets were low volatile and trending upward. So, you know, someone who may have held that product for that period of time did very, very well. However, if you look like a, if at a product like oil and gas related or energy related, 
um, or gold miners that have really high volatility. You know, if you hold that for a really long period of time, and some investors do, um, or or have in the past anyway, you know, you're really opening yourself up to substantial losses because, um, you know, intraday or, 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 you know, intraweek, intramonth um, range, any kind of range around volatility essentially uh, leads to decay in the funds because they're always catching up, right? As we said, when the index or market is up, we increase exposure mm-hmm. in the ETF. And, um, you know, if we increase exposure for a few days and then the market's down, you have a whole lot more on the table to lose. So, you know, very simply holding the volatile sectors long term can, can be a disaster. I get emails from readers literally every day about this particular concept. Well, you know, this this uh, S&P fund that was 3x is up, you know, thousands and thousands of percent. Uh, so, of course, I can buy and hold a leveraged fund. Um, I like that you make the distinction that it's, you know, it, it's it's not just about a trend. It's also about volatility. Absolutely. Exactly. That's a that's definitely a key in using these products longer term. So at a very at a very basic level, you should think of volatility as foe, not friend, to leverage exactly. and growth investing. Got it. Exactly. Trend is your friend, and and volatility is I don't know. We could make up a word vile, maybe <laughs> v- villainous. Villainous. Got it. So, um, Sylvia, earlier this year, um, Direction made some moves and uh, changed the leverage factor in some of your most popular ETFs like JNUG and Gush, GUSH. Could you walk us through that process, what was behind that decision and what that means to investors? Sure. So a lot of the ETFs um, that that you mentioned particularly during um, COVID, which, you know, we, we could argue was like sort of March when it really hit our heart, hit the stock market at least. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, basically there was an unprecedented spike in market volatility uh, because of the COVID pandemic, basically. And we, um, we had a very difficult time coming out with a three beta fund, which is our mandate. So it was difficult to get um, exposure in that market, the volatility swings were were immense, and you know we really felt that in order to um, essentially protect the fund and to protect the investor in in an abnormally you know unprecedented time in in the markets, we basically reduced the leverage on on the products for for that reason. So um, what that means is that you know investors who had um, who, who held, you know, Nugget or Dust or JNUG, if, if they, they at the time had 300% of exposure and after we changed the leverage point, they had 200% of exposure. But the important thing to know is that, you know, wh- when you have this duress in the market, the fund for, for days on end was unable to meet its stated objective of, of 300%. So there were days, for example, that the gold miners ETFs were trading at 260%. Or else they were so high and, and, you know, there were sort of these wild moves into the close. So we just really, um, you know, with the miners and some of the, the sectors you mentioned, they're super volatile and the mm-hmm. ETFs were delivering very extreme moves in a rapid fashion that, you know, we thought were um, really sort of risky uh, for the trader and the market and the fund. So we, you know, stepped back with the exposure. Mm-hmm. So that's, it sounds like it's mostly a move uh, at the heart to protect the system and the traders and the investors is not necessarily because you can't 
do a three X um, axis in a really volatile market. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the volatility just completely rattled global markets and, you know, where you saw this react most was, was really um, with levered numerous ETF products and, and also just volatile ETFs in general, you know, you had this, this difficult and very extraordinary cost to manage the fund on a daily basis, which will, you know, which, which was just a real challenge um, for, for months on end. And, and it essentially, you know, negates the value or reduces the, the value of the fund. So mm-hmm. um, we really wanted to pull that back as aggressively as possible. And, and you know, regulator worked with the regulators to do that. Mm-hmm. Is there something like that you find um, that you just wish would go away about this conversation on leverage and inverse? I mean, it took, <laughs> it took regulators, like, I think it was, was it seven years to approve the first one. They are always in the hot seat when the markets turn sour. Um, and, you know, leverage and inverse ETF providers get grilled every time volatility spikes. I mean, is there something that you wish we could just turn the page and, or do you think it's getting better? Do you think the conversation is getting better? I think, as you said, it's sort of like some, every year there's something new, right? Like, like this year, you know, people don't, some other ETF firms suggested that we weren't actually ETFs, you know, and we are exchange traded funds. Right. And, you know, then, then it's, you know, there was a rule proposal that suggested that, you know, the retail investor is not sort of intelligent enough to make a decision for himself as to whether or not he, he can trade the product. So there had to be all of these, you know, egregious um, sort of hurdles to jump through just to trade the product. So we would love for that to go away. And I think that, you know, we sort of feel like we do our part. We're very clear in saying these products are meant for sophisticated traders. There's a small percentage of the population that are, you know, whether professional traders or um, RIAs or hedge funds or retail traders that are actually just, you know, day traders and sophisticated that love trading these products. They understand them. They have a good experience. They use them the right way. Um, So, you know, we think the message is out there for sure. We're not, we're definitely not trying to get, you know, my grandma to buy 3X oil. um, (laughs) But I do think that if she were uh, a sophisticated day trader, that she could. Um, and, and it's up to her. So the other thing is the, the sort of misconception, common misconception is, you know, Hey, the S and P 500 was up 10% in the last, you know, four weeks. Why is this ETF, you know, down 7% or why is it up 40% and not just 30%? So that goes back to daily. Mm -hmm. So it's three times daily, two times daily. It's not three times monthly. The month, um, the monthly return is the summation of each day's, uh, returns on these products. So, you know, if you're looking for two months of exposure to uh, gold miners, this is not the right product to do that. Mm-hmm. Get your high school math right. Yes. Right. <laughs> we need to get like signs that just say math. And every time somebody asks you a question, you just hold up the sign. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were so, we were super precise about putting the word daily. It's like the first word in, <laughs> in, you know, on every platform when you go to trade this thing daily, daily, daily. So it, it makes us think like, you know, somebody's going to stop and say, why would they put daily in the fund? Right. Like there must mm-hmm. be something to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So I think we, you know, try to get that message out there. Sure. Well, something I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, one of the products I thought that uh, was really interesting that Direction has launched uh, recently was the work from home ETF. Um, perfectly timed, you know, perfectly like part of the moment. Um, I'm curious, uh, you know, 
looking forward to the rest of 2020, maybe beyond as we're all sort of grappling in the the nether space that is this new pandemic era, um, what sort of trends, investment trends are you seeing as maybe the next like Janug or Gush or like beyond what you've already got in your product lineup? Um, you know, where are you looking for, for opportunity in terms of investment themes? So you mentioned work from home and that's, it's, it's related to that. So the work from home ETF came out and it basically gives, you know, uh, traders access to four pillars like cloud technology, cybersecurity, online project and document management and remote communications. So, you know, as society evolves and technologies advance, perceptions of what is considered a productive workplace have evolved as well. So society seems to have embraced this idea that, you know, a lot of job functions don't have to be in the office or in a specific location in order to get done. And the work from home ETF has been, you know, it's been out for only a few weeks, really. And it's gathered close to 90 million of assets because I think that there's such a strong belief that this is a trend going forward that actually, you know, co- it, it was happening anyway. Uh, we were talking earlier that you ladies are in different locations because you are working remotely from, you know, with, with the uh, ability to, you have the ability to do so with technology. So a lot of firms are doing that. And um, so, so that ETF really seemed to resonate with a lot of people. And we thought, well, pandemics like COVID, they cause major short-term impacts, but they also create long-term disruption to, to not only working conditions, but also living conditions. So, you know, you have you have this rise of home spending that's going to continue. You have all these trends that you know we see potential lasting engagement with. Um, older generations are behaving like millennials and Gen Z. Um, you know, I think I think that one of the ETFs that we're coming out with is going to be um, the connected consumer ETF. So we have the work from home thing, and now we have the play from home thing, and that's going to have you know, home entertainment, it's going to have online education with all these kids sort of, you know, tele-studying and and teaching um, or, or, you know, working with their teachers online through Zoom. You're going to have remote health, like the telemedicine field is supposed to grow by 64% in 2020, which is just insane when we're worried about what's going to happen for the rest of the year. There's a place where you sort of know or expect to see a lot of growth. And then virtual and digital social interaction. You know, we all want to talk and share pictures. We're all lonely sitting at home wearing our masks. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think, um, so CCON is going to be the ticker there. And it's just really the sister to, you have all the stuff that you need to work from home. And now you have all of this stuff that you'll need to play from home, really. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's uh, when you pitch out these products out there, I mean, the themes are compelling, but you know, is there something unique that you would like to highlight, uh, given this opportunity, about how Direction approaches themes? I mean, there's a few shops in the space that do a lot of thematic investing, you know, suites. So how are you guys tackling this space? Right. So in terms of, you know, how we thought about this, we we saw the trend starting with a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, sort of talk and media coverage and flow into you know, the names that allowed you to sit on an exercise bike and watch Netflix. Um, <laughs> and we thought... Was that the, was that the gauge? Was, <laughs> can I sit on my Peloton and watch... Can a, I sit, you know? Yeah, can I sit on my Peloton and watch TV? But we just, we just, we just saw this, this shift, this immediate shift in people. And like once they, 
once people started to work from home for a month, you realize so quickly, you know, how much we need in order for this to work out. You know, there's such a focus on cloud technology to store our data. There's such a focus on cybersecurity. You know, CrowdStrike is has had just epic growth. You know, they're talking about having 60% growth in, in net sales this year. Wow. Um, you know, just constant readoption. Companies like Twilio that you never thought about, you know, they're running the two-factor authentication and they're also running contact tracing. So who would have thought Twilio, you know, is going to be picked up by probably every single U.S., you know, senator, governor, um, state agency in order to track the coronavirus. Um, you know, the the ability to share documents and remote communications, whether it's a Zoom or Cisco. I just think that, you know, at Direction, we just we just thought about how can we build, you know, sort of two indices, you know, one, again, that allows you to work from home and the other one that really touches on on some of the things that people do outside of, you know, the finance world or the professional world, like, like you know, teaching from home and, and telemedicine and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, we are really very precise when we launch thematic ETFs. As you see, we don't have a lot of them. We only have a few of them. Um, so, you know, we really kind of like stick to our guns in terms of what we think makes sense and, you know, don't try to compete, for example, with the spies and the IVVs of the world. Like we're, you know, we, we know we can't compete there. So um, just flexible, interesting sector access is, is what we're trying to do there. Right. Well, Sylvia, I think we could probably keep talking for another six hours and I would love it. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. So thank you so much, Sylvia, uh, for coming on to the show and for the great conversation about leveraged and inverse products. Thank you so much for having me. It was uh, good fun this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. So for more information on this topic or for any ETF topic or to catch up on past episodes, please visit us at ETF.com. And for more information on how to get involved in women and ETFs, please visit womenandetfs.com. You can write to us with your questions, your comments, your thoughts, your math questions at ETF Working Lunch. That's all one word at ETF.com. On behalf of myself, uh, Cynthia Murphy, and the rest of the ETF.com team, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next episode.